You guys can have a seat. Good morning again, and uh, and welcome in. Happy Easter, and uh, so good to see so many people here this morning. Hey, if you're new with us this morning, I forgot to, to mention this earlier, but uh, on your seat or on a seat next to you, there's a connection card. If you grab that, fill out the information, and uh, take it back to the Connection Center at the end of service, we've got a nice little gift for you uh, this morning. Why don't you do uh, this morning, why don't you go ahead and take your Bibles, if you've got them with you, and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, uh, all the scripture will be up on the screen for you, uh, or we've got Bibles in the back if you need one, you can feel free to take that as well. But uh, over the last few weeks, if you've been with us, you know that we've talked the last few weeks about the events of Easter and what took place on the cross. We say, you know, Easter weekend is just, this, it's a time of celebration, right? It's this time where we reflect uh, what Christ has accomplished on our behalf on the cross. We, re- we reflect on Christ's suffering. We reflect on the fact that Jesus was abandoned by God on the cross so that Jesus could not only take our sins, but that he could become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. We reflect on, on what he accomplished when Jesus cried out. We talked about this last week on the cross when he cried out the words, it is finished. We remember the sacrifice that he made so that our sins could be paid for. So that we could be given an opportunity to be reconciled to God. To have forgiveness of sin and to have eternal life. And so, if you're new here this morning, or if you haven't been here over the last few weeks, we've spent these last few weeks talking about some of the last of the few words that Jesus spoke on the cross as he was hanging there near death. And we discussed that when people come to the end of their life, when they're talking, they they usually speak very rich and meaningful words. And so here's Jesus, right? He's hanging on the cross and he's made some very profound statements that not only explain why he came to earth, but also serve to give us an amazing amount of hope for the future. And so Easter weekend is a time of reflection, but it's also a time of celebration, It's a time when we celebrate the resurrection. The fact that three days later, after Jesus went down into the ground to be buried, he came out on the third day, he defeated and conquered the grave so that that victory over death could be ours as well. I mean, think about what happened on Easter Sunday morning and the fact of what happened on Easter, what happened through the resurrection really kind of gives those words that Christ has spoken on the cross, those last words, it really gives them a punch. It makes them real. It makes them powerful. It gives them meaning. Without the resurrection, those words that were spoken by Jesus on a cross were just spoken by a prophet who's dead in the ground. But the fact that he's alive brings those words to life in our own lives. And so we celebrate this morning the resurrection. We also celebrate the fact that one day, for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, look, we're gonna be with Jesus in heaven, right? We're gonna be reunited with those who have gone before us. We think about our grandparents. We think about our moms and our dads. We think about our friends that we've had over the years. Some of us, unfortunately, we think about children who've gone on before us. But our hope is that because of the resurrection, because of what Jesus did for us, that one day we'll be reunited with those folks again. And so this morning, this is a morning to celebrate a reunion, right? We celebrate not only that one day we'll be reunited with those that we love, but we celebrate the moment when the suffering was over and Jesus was reunited with the Father in heaven. And so this morning we're gonna look 
at the last and final statement that Jesus made on the cross. After enduring six grueling hours on the cross, after experiencing just excruciating loss of his father's presence, as he became the sacrifice for our sin by taking on the entire debt of sin of all mankind and putting it on himself. Jesus speaks these last and final words. We find them in Luke chapter 23. We're going to pick it up here in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over all the land until the ninth hour. It says, the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. See, Luke tells us that everything had been accomplished that Jesus came to do, right? His purpose had been completed, and and it had been completed perfectly. And here he is at the very last moment on the cross, and Jesus cries out in this loud voice. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And Luke tells us at that moment, Jesus breathed his last. Now at that very moment, I want you to know that a reunion took place. While Jesus' earthly body was still hanging on that cross, His spirit, with all of its desires, with all of its aspirations, with all of its affections, were now reunited with his Father in heaven. See, he put himself, right? Jesus voluntarily put himself into his Father's hands. As a matter of fact, all of the writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us all that his spirit went into the hands of God. Now, why did all of these Guys, think it was so important for us to know that Jesus said those words. Well, I believe that they wanted us to understand that his death was not the end. Right? His death was not the final straw. His death instead was just the beginning of a new relationship. God wanted us to understand that while Jesus was speaking these words from the cross over 2,000 years ago, that he was revealing something extremely profound to us today. So what was it that he was revealing to us? Well, first of all, was that Jesus' death was an appointment, not an accident. See, when Jesus was being crucified, it happened during the Jewish celebration called Passover. Now, Passover, if you know anything about Jewish history, if you know anything about the Jewish religion, Passover is an eight-day festival that the, people, uh, the Jewish people celebrate and observe every year to remember and to celebrate God delivering them uh, out of 400 years of, of slavery in Egypt. And so Passover was a reference to when God was sending the plagues on the Egyptian people because Pharaoh refused to let the Israelites leave Egypt. And if you remember either from from reading your Bible, if you ever saw the movie uh, about this, the last plague that got brought uh, among the people involved the death of every firstborn male in Egypt. Now before that plague was carried out, God instructed the Israelites. He said, listen, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take a male lamb with no defects He said, and I want you to to sacrifice that lamb, and I want you to take the blood of that lamb, and I want you to sprinkle it all over your doorpost, so that when the angel of death comes, and he passes over your house, your firstborn child will be saved from death. And so in remembrance of this event, God has instructed the Jewish people every single year to sacrifice a lamb. And so each family is to, to choose a lamb on the 10th day of the Jewish calendar. It's called Nisan, and, and they they're, they're keep that lamb for five days. And so what they did was for five days, they kind of hung out with this lamb, right? 
But on the 14th day of the month, the families were to sacrifice the lamb in remembrance of the Passover. Now, when Jesus was crucified, and I want you to get this picture, thousands of Jewish people have come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover with their families. Five days before Jesus was crucified on Palm Sunday, the Jewish people, what were they doing? They were busy selecting their Passover lambs that they were going to sacrifice on Passover. Now, historians believe that those lambs were brought in from the fields of Bethlehem, the very same town that Jesus was born in. They were brought into the city of Jerusalem through the northeast gate, which is also called the Sheep Gate, which is the very same gate that Jesus would have been led through by the Roman soldiers after his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was brought into the city to be sentenced to death. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. As the Jewish people are busy selecting their lambs to sacrifice later that week, Jesus comes riding into the city on a donkey, and the Jewish people that are around him are declaring him as their king, right? They're, they're waving palm branches at him. They're, they're yelling out the words, Hosanna, which is a title that means God save us. And so for the next five days, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's teaching the people. He's serving them. He's hanging out with them, the very people that he is getting ready to sacrifice his life for. He's spending five days with them. Then on the fifth day, In the middle of the night, after sharing a Passover meal with his own disciples, Jesus is arrested. He faces six trials before the religious leaders and Roman officials. The same people who days earlier, who are are, hailing him as king, crying out the words, Hosanna, are now standing in front of him, yelling out the words, crucify him, demanding his crucifixion. And from that point, Jesus was sentenced to death. Roman soldiers, they beat him. They spit on him, they mocked him, they insulted him. Finally, Jesus was nailed to a cross. From 9 a.m. in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus hung on that cross. According to the Bible and according to Jewish history, 3 p.m. was the time that Jewish families were to begin sacrificing their Passover lambs. And at the same time, the Jewish priest would be in the temple And they would be sacrificing a lamb as well in the temple. And on the Passover, after the priest would make his sacrifice, he would pull out his his ram's horn called a, a shafar. And he would blow this ancient Jewish musical instrument. And it would signify to everyone that a symbolic Passover lamb had been sacrificed. I hope that this morning you can see Just the amazing parallel picture that's being painted here because it's an amazing picture. Everything that Jesus came to accomplish has now been accomplished. The work has been completed. The penalty for sin has been paid. A perfect, sinless man has been sacrificed as a lamb, as a sacrificial lamb at this very moment for your sin and mine. That's why John the Baptist... That's so why he referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the apostle Paul calls Jesus the Passover Lamb. You see, Jesus' death was no accident. It was a divine appointment. I mean, the religious leaders and the government officials of that day, they thought that they were calling the shots that particular day. However, they were just nothing more than pawns in God's hands, really. See, God was the one who was calling the shots that day. It was God's plan before the beginning of time to send a Savior into the world to rescue people from their sin, to free them from death, and to give them eternal life. And God fulfilled that plan by sending his son, Jesus. See, Jesus willingly, Jesus voluntarily came into the world to die as our uh, sacrificial Passover lamb. 
During the week of Passover, God sent a perfect lamb to be sacrificed for the sins of mankind. But I want you to know that the people of that day, they rejected that sacrifice. Right? They rejected that sacrifice. There were a, a handful that were standing at the cross that believed he was the Messiah. There were others that deserted him, that were spread all over Jerusalem, that, that saw him as Messiah. Listen, you need to know that Jesus knew that there would be many from that day forward. That there would be many who would receive him as Savior, who would see him as the Son of God, who would accept him as the Messiah. He knew that you and I would have an opportunity one day, just like this day today, to accept the sacrifice as payment for your sin. And so Jesus voluntarily endured the suffering. He voluntarily endured the shame on the cross for your behalf. And it's because of that shed blood of Jesus That my sins and your sins are forgiven by God. And it's because of the the death of Jesus. And by the fact that we place our faith and our trust in him alone to be our God and our Savior. That God allows that spiritual death like in the Passover to pass over us. And we are given new life and we're given an eternal relationship with him. Listen, you need to know this death of Jesus was not an accident. This death was a divine appointment. Second thing that is so revealing about what Jesus' words mean to us this morning is that when Jesus spoke these words, he was reunited into his Father's hands. Right? Jesus said, he said, Father, into your hands. Now there is a world of meaning packed into those four words. See, when, when Jesus was ministering, right, when he was going from town to town, people were trying to, to get their hands on him. They thought, you know what, if I can just put my, my hands on Jesus, then he'll heal me. Or if I, can, if I can just touch his robe, then I'll have a blessing over my life. My children will be healed. Something amazing will happen. A few times, the Pharisees, who were so furious with Jesus, they tried to get their hands around him so that they could arrest him, so they could bring him to trial and they could kill him. But the Bible tells us that it was not Jesus' time and he literally just slipped right out of their hands. We're also told in the Bible that before Jesus was arrested, he told that his disciples, or that he would be, uh, that his disciples, that, that he would be betrayed into the hands of sinners. It was the hands of the Roman soldiers that would have beaten him. The hands of the Roman soldiers that would have scourged him. They were the the Roman's hands that would take that that crown of thorns and and force them down into his head. It would be hands. Their hands would be the ones that would drive the, the nails through his wrists and his feet. Listen, there comes a time, though, when the hands of men can do nothing more and God's hand has the final say. Think of King David back in the Old Testament when he was being chased by his enemies and he realized that, that even though there are moments when we're pursued by the hands of wicked people, We find ourselves in bad situations. He reminds us that we're always in the hands of God. He says in Psalm 31, 15, my time are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies for those who pursue me. Listen, as God's children, as his very own children, we are never out of God's hands, regardless of what you may be facing, regardless of what comes against you, regardless of what you're dealing with. Our time And our future are in God's hands. And I know that some of you this morning, you feel like everything has come against you. Maybe this morning you're here and it's been coming against you for a very long time. Maybe you're feeling it right now. Listen, you're never out of God's hands. Some of you, you're dealing with a relational issue right now. This issue, I mean, maybe it's just rocked your world. Came out of nowhere and you're just reeling in it. Look, as a child of God, 
I want you to know that you are never out of God's hands. Some of you this morning, you're dealing with a financial issue, right? I mean, maybe it's just, it's just shaking you to the core and you're looking ahead and you're going, man, you know, I don't know how I'm even going to pay my bills. Listen, as a child of God, you are not out of God's hands. Some of you, you're dealing with a health issue. There have been words spoken to you by a doctor or, or spoken to you by someone and they've told you some bad news and you are frightened this morning. Someone has said some health words over your child or, or your children or a parent or grandparent. Listen, regardless of what those words are, Regardless of the words that have been spoken to you, you are never out of God's hands. Your time and your future are in God's hands. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've drifted away from God. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in a place like this. Maybe you had been close to God. Listen, I want you to know that if you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you've never left God's hands. The fact that Jesus has gone on before us and has been reunited with his father. Listen, the fact that we're in his hands means that we can rest in him when the world around us is shaking us to the core. Writer of Hebrews, he says it like this. He talks about Jesus. He says, the hope that we have. He says, this hope of the death and the burial and the resurrection. He says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. He says, he leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. See, Jesus has already gone in there for us. Jesus willingly gave himself over to suffer at the hands of sinners. And now here on the cross, he voluntarily gives himself into the hands of God. See, Jesus knew as he hung on the cross, Jesus knew that that there would come a time that there would come a moment when he would be reunited with his father, where he was surrounded by people who despised him at this time, people who just hated him. He knew that his disciples at that moment, when he needed them most, that they were going to desert him. He was fully aware that his own death was a complete injustice. But Jesus knew that he could count on his father to receive his spirit when he breathed his last breath. And because Jesus could return into his father's hands, we have a great promise as well. Regardless of what happens in our lives, regardless of what you may be going through, we are never out of God's hands. Regardless of, of how we die, regardless of, of how that happens or, or how, you know, uh, what our earthly bodies were that when, when they die. For those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, our spirit when we die immediately rests in the hands of our Father. For those of us who have placed our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ to be our Savior, listen, our eternal future is safe in God's hands. When we die, our spirit will be safe in God's hands until Christ returns and our bodies are reunited with our spirit. So in life, salvation, and eternity, I want you to know that there's amazing keeping power in the Father's hands. From prison, the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote many of the the books of the New Testament, he was in prison and he was in the midst of suffering for the fact that he was proclaiming Jesus to people. And here's what he said. He said this, regardless of what I go through, regardless of what I have to endure, Paul says, I know the one in whom I trust and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Early in his ministry, Jesus himself said to his own disciples in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one, and I love this, can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. He says, I and the Father are one. Listen, Jesus 
and the Father. They're working in tandem, right? As we go through this life, we're not just being held in the hands of the Father. We're also being held in the hands of the Son. Their hands are locked together and they are holding us like an anchor firm for our soul. They are holding us and we can walk through this life. Look, I want you to know that this cry on the cross that Jesus gave, it wasn't a cry of defeat. It wasn't a cry of failure. It was a cry of victory. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, The religious leaders, they're standing around him and they are mocking him. They're insulting him. They're taunting him. They're saying things like, Jesus, if you're the son of God, get yourself down off the cross and save yourself. Things like, if you're truly the Messiah, come on down and then we'll follow you. Right? We'll believe in you. Rescue yourself first. But see, what did Jesus do? Jesus endured. He finished the job. Could he have jumped down off that cross at any moment? Could he have saved himself? Absolutely. But he stayed the course. He stayed on the cross. He stayed on the cross so that we could be rescued. He endured so that we could be saved. See, on the cross, sin had been conquered. Death had been proven powerless. And so when Jesus said these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, I want you to know he didn't just depart the earth. He arrived in heaven. And that's how it is for you and me. That's how it is for us. When you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to know death is not the end of the road. I love what Erwin Lutzer says. He says it's just a bend in the road. See, you need to know regardless of what you're going through, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you are safe in God's hands. When you die, when you pass on, if you know Christ is your Savior, look, you're safe in God's hands. Listen, this is not the end for us. Because death has been defeated by Christ on the cross and his resurrection, death is not the end of life. There are a lot of people that believe that when you die, all of a sudden you enter into a state of nothingness. Everything ceases. Body, spirit, soul just simply ceases to exist. It's kind of like the lights go out and there's nothing more. So as a person, you are ultimately left with a choice to make. You either choose that option Or you go with the truth that Jesus spoke from the cross. See, here's the deal. Anyone who does not believe that soul and spirit survives the body, you're at odds with Jesus' very own words. It's that simple. Here's what Jesus said. He said, I'm the first and I'm the last. He says, I'm I'm the living one. He says, I was dead. He says, I was physically dead. When I died, my spirit went to be with my father, but my body went to the grave. He said, but the grave couldn't keep me. And now here I am. He says, I'm alive forever and ever. And then he says, now in my hands, he says, I hold the keys to death and hell because I have authority over both. Listen, if you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, those same hands that hold us through life, those same hands that hold us as we enter into heaven, they're the very same hands that cast judgment over those who reject him. In Hebrews chapter 10, and this is a very powerful verse, the writer of Hebrews writes this, he says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The same hands that were spread out over the cross over 2,000 years ago. They offer to every one of you today, they offer you forgiveness and they offer you mercy. But also understand that those very same hands one day, according to God's word, they're going to cast those who have rejected Jesus into eternal loneliness, into a pit of despair and into eternal suffering. So don't make this mistake, the mistake that somehow or another you're going to get to the end of your life 
Until that point, you're going to do whatever you want to do, you're going to, and then you're going to have one of these moments, right, like the thief on the cross kind of moment. One of those moments that you kind of hear about at your very last breath where you're able to say, Father, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus before you die. Don't think that you're going to have one of those last moment salvation experiences. Again, where somehow in those last moments you're going to be able to say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Listen, it rarely works out that way. Why? Because we have no idea how, no idea when, or no idea where we're going to die. But it's something that we have to prepare for. See, we, we can be sure of heaven If we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we can have forgiveness of sin if we truly put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ alone to be our personal Savior. If you've done that, you're safe in God's hands. When you die, you can trust your spirit into the hands of God with confidence. Erwin Lutzer again, he says, God doesn't promise a calm pathway to death, but he does promise a safe landing. We know without a shadow of a doubt that the spirit survives the body. In fact, thanks to the resurrection, these bodies that are getting older, these bodies that are decaying right in front of our eyes, we know that we're gonna be raised to new life in Christ. And I believe that heaven is gonna be this incredible reunion moment, right? We're gonna know our relatives and I can't wait to see them. I can't wait to see my grandparents. But I've got friends in heaven from, from high school and middle school, friends who've recently gone to heaven. I can't wait to see them. Listen, I've got a dad in heaven One week from today will be 14 years since he's been gone. And I can't wait to put my arms around him and to hug him and just say, Dad, show me around. Show me what you've been experiencing. Dad, let me fill you in with what's been going on with the grandkids, right? Because I don't know what what God has allowed him to see, what God has allowed him to peer into. But I tell you what, I can't wait to catch up with him. Because I believe that our memories from life are going to be carried into heaven when we get there. We just won't have to deal with sin any longer. I love this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9, Paul writes this. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And what a great promise that is. Listen, Jesus went to the cross to become the ultimate sacrifice for sin, right? His sacrifice provided forgiveness for sin. He provided reconciliation that we didn't have, but now is available to us with God the Father. On the cross, Satan was defeated once and for all. Jesus died to prove that death doesn't have the last word over those whose faith is ultimately in the one who conquered it. Hebrews chapter two puts it this way for us. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. See, that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what's been accomplished on the cross. Listen, the very last words of Jesus when you, when you put the resurrection onto those words, it brings them to life. When Jesus rose from the dead on Resurrection Sunday, he proved that death couldn't hold him. He proved that death wasn't the end for him. But I want to tell you something else. He also proved that because of that, it's not the end for us either. And I love that. So here's how we're going to celebrate that. I want you all to bow your heads for just a moment. I'm sure there are some of you in this room at this moment that say, I would love to have that same confidence 
that you're talking about this morning. The confidence that I can say whenever that, that moment comes for me, that Father, I commit my hands, or into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. See, that confidence comes because of what Jesus did on our behalf. That confidence comes when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus alone to be your Savior, to do for you what you could never do on your own, which is to provide payment for sin, to reconcile you to God the Father, to provide forgiveness for you that you could never make up by doing good works or by doing any good. See, Jesus did that for us. So you say, what do I do at this moment? How do I have that confidence? How do I have that forgiveness? How can I know for sure? You take all of your faith, take all of your trust, everything else that that you may have thought that is contrary to what we talked about this morning, the truth of God's word, you, you take that and you put it on Jesus. See, what he accomplished for you on the cross was enough. The fact that he rose from the dead three days later gives us confidence that he has victory over death We have confidence that we can enter into heaven and spend eternity with God the Father and those who've gone on before us who are there. You say, how do I do that? I want you to pray with me at this moment. If you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ to be your Savior and the confidence just isn't there right now, I just want you to pray with me right now. Say, Jesus, right now at this very moment, I put all of my faith I put all of my trust, not in me, not in my good works, not in my past, not in my religion, not in the background I came from. I put it all in Jesus. Lord, I know I need forgiveness of sin. And so this morning I ask you to provide that forgiveness. Lord, I change my mind about what I thought before and I put all of my faith and all of my trust into what Jesus has accomplished for me. And at this moment, Lord, I receive Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. I want confidence, Lord. I want assurance, Lord, that if you were to come back right now or if I were to die, that I would spend eternity with Jesus and with God the Father in heaven. And I know the only way that comes is through the cross. And so this morning, in the best way that I know how, I tell Jesus, you're the son of God. And I put all of my faith and all of my trust in you. Thank you for saving me at this moment. Look, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you just prayed that prayer, I'm gonna urge you to take a connection card that is sitting around you or on your chair, on the floor, wherever that ended up. And check off, today I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because we want to be able to celebrate with you. We want to be able to connect with you. We want to take you through the next steps of baptism and discipleship and growing in your relationship with Christ. Father, we just thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus today. We thank you for the amazing grace shown to us on the cross. God, may we rest in that. But Father, may we never rest in just keeping that to ourselves. And God, I pray that as we leave this place today, as we go back to our homes, 
to celebrate Easter. Maybe we're going to a restaurant today to celebrate Easter. We're going back to our neighborhoods and our communities. Jesus, our prayer is that we don't remain silent once we leave this place about the good news of the cross and the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that God, we would spread it to every person that we come into contact with, not just today, Father, but till the day you either return or call us home. Father, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.